So much about January 6th of last year is hype, distortion, lies, but this is real. The death of Ashley Babbitt. She was shot and killed, even though she was unarmed. She posed no deadly threat to anybody, and she was killed by a Capitol Hill police officer. And nobody in the mainstream media, nobody in the government, and most of the American people, quite frankly, don't care. And I can't believe that's happened in this country. There's overwhelming evidence, overwhelming that she was doing nothing that warranted a bullet in her neck, which is what she got. A horrible, horrible crime, in my opinion. And the guy gets a gold medal, along with a lot of other cops who did not do a good job that day at all. It doesn't make any sense. You know, January 6th, a lot of folks all day long talking about where were you on January 6th? Give me a break. But I remember actually where I was on January 7th. The next morning, I got up early. I was curious how the mainstream media, how they were playing this. The Today Show with Savannah and Hoda started at 6 a.m. And I was up and I turned it on. And this is a bit of what I saw. In the aftermath of yesterday's stunning siege here at the U.S. Capitol, Hoda, you know, I used to live here. I used to cover this building, cover the White House. I looked at it this morning. I've never looked at it with tears in my eyes. <laughs> and there is much to cover this morning. So um, yeah, I here I they are talking about and themselves. And in that building, I know it. I know that a woman has been killed. I want to know about it. And they wouldn't talk about it. They wouldn't acknowledge it. I said, what the hell is going on? This wasn't, this was known. This was, it happened. And mainstream media ignored it. Why would they do that? Why? Now, Ashley Babbitt, let's talk about her. 36 years old, military veteran. And there she is at the, uh, at the Stop the Steal rally. That's what they called it. She's happy. She wanted to be involved. And a little while later, she went marching to the Capitol and she's happy and it's peaceful. So despite what the media tells you, boots on ground definitely say something different. There is a sea of nothing but red, white, and blue patriots and Trump. And it was amazing. We could see the president talk. We are now walking down the inaugural path to the Capitol building. And that's perfectly fine. They were allowed to be there, authorized and nothing wrong with that. We actually have, and not many people have seen this, footage of her inside the Capitol. It's highlighted right there. There she is, walking along. That's not a domestic terrorist. And she was, we believe, allowed into the Capitol. You've seen the footage. People were allowed in. A lot of them were. Cops stepping aside, nothing happening. Here's another um, moment shortly before she died. She seems to be actually pleading with the cops asking for something. Now, we don't know what that is. We also know that the cops are not being harmed in any way, but she seems to be trying to convince him of something. I don't know. I don't know what's happening, but I know this. She's not being aggressive toward those cops. No, we've seen that. We saw it all in the summer of 2020 and before even. Black Lives Matter, other radicals disrespecting police everywhere they go. That's not what she was doing. That's not what she was about. Remember, she's a military veteran, served in Iraq on active duty. And there she is, by the way, in Iraq, Merry Christmas, standing next to a four-star general, well-respected within the United States Air Force. And, you know, this really bothers me. There she is in Iraq. What a horrible waste of a war, by the way. 
we shouldn't have been there. And one of the reasons I believe Ashley Pabbitt responded so much to Donald Trump, Donald Trump was not afraid to speak out against that ridiculous war where so many people needlessly died in our futile search for weapons of mass destruction. You know, I think of Ashley Babbitt, I think of what she went through, and then I think of George W. Bush, that man who brought us war in Iraq and there were no weapons of mass destruction, and there he is with Dick Cheney and Colin Powell, they're responsible. And for that man, just recently, on the 20th anniversary of September 11th, to imply that Trump supporters, those who question the results of the election, are right up there with Al-Qaeda extremists and Islamic extremists. I, a lot of us really resent that, resent him for that useless war. A lot of Trump support came from people who fought in Iraq or went to Iraq, served in the military, and were sold a bill of goods. Well, I'll tell you this. One thing I also know about Ashley Babbitt, she was denied a military funeral. Can you believe that? Now, every honorably discharged veteran is entitled to military rights at their funeral. She didn't get them. Her husband received a phone call rushed from the Pentagon saying she was suddenly ineligible and it wasn't going to happen. Well, someday it is my hope that the record is corrected and she receives the honor she is due. All right. Also today, something despicable, Kamala Harris. It's actually a little bit funny. It's also sad. It's also, if you let it, it can really make you angry. But this disgusting elevation elevation of January 6th, right up there with some of the worst days in American history and even world history. Yeah, she did that. Certain dates echo throughout history, including dates that instantly remind all who have lived through them where they were and what they were doing when our democracy came under assault. December 7th, 1941, September 11th, 2001, and January 6th, 2021. Part of me thinks she's deliberately trolling us or something, wants to be provocative. I would hope in her heart of hearts she would know how disgusting that comparison is. Pearl Harbor changed the course of world history, of course. September 11th, nearly 3,000 people killed. And then January 6th, really? The horns guy running around? I mean, Kamala also said that um, the people she speaks to, especially youngsters, they, they always ask her about the meaning of January 6th. Now, she's lying, of course, and I'll, I'll show you how in a moment. When I meet with young people, they often ask about the state of our democracy about January 6th. And what I tell them is January 6th reflects the dual nature of democracy, its fragility and its strength. Really does seem like straight out of kindergarten, right? But it's all fake, all right? When she meets with young people, 
it's staged. Just like when she had that silly conversation about the planets with those kids. Child actors, they were paid child actors. That's what happens when she meets with young people. All right, now standing right uh, next to her was Joe Biden and she introduced Joe. This has gotta be the most disingenuous introduction I've ever heard. It is my honor to introduce a public servant with the character and fortitude to meet this moment. A leader whose life's work has been moving our nation toward that more perfect union. President Joe Biden. Okay, all right. Now that was kind of laugh out loud, right? Character and fortitude. Let's start with the fortitude. The weakest guy we've ever seen in the Oval Office, always falling asleep, literally falling asleep. This is, this is not a man who has much in the way of fortitude. As for uh, character, integrity, He's been caught lying a thousand times early in his political career. This is what he does. He's a career politician. He lies. He lies. He lies. He lies. And I, I was reminded of this yesterday, of course, when Joe was called out during Me Too for groping, smelling, feeling, rubbing just about every woman who came across him. Guess who was, um, guess who was not on his side? Kamala Harris who said that she believed the women and uh, was no friend. That explains a lot of the tension between the two of them. All right, before we show you um, a little bit of Joe speaking, he undermined and did not live up to just about everything he said he was going to do the moment he became president. Do you remember this? Abraham Lincoln signed the Emancipation Proclamation. When he put pen to paper, the president said, and I quote, If my name ever goes down into history, it'll be for this act, and my whole soul is in it. My whole soul is in it. Today, on this January day, my whole soul is in this, bringing America together, uniting our people, uniting our nation. And I ask every American to join me in this cause. So he says this because it sounds good. I actually hope that he would live up to this, that it would reduce the temperature. Over Christmas, I said, visit those those January 6th prisoners. Um, That would go a long way. Call off the impeachment, but no, none of that stuff. And today he delivered, I think, one of the most divisive speeches ever delivered by a president. It was a disgrace. Now, unfortunately, we're going to have to go through the highlights when we come back, but uh, there are some gems here I think you're going to like. And also, a little bit after that, we're privileged to have with us Marjorie Taylor Greene, as well as Aaron Babbitt, the former U.S. Marine who was married to Ashley Babbitt when she died. We'll be right back. All I can say is that the fake news just doesn't get it, do they? And they really have been miserable on so many things, but especially January 6th. Now, you know how passionately I feel about what happened to Ashley Babbitt and what a crime that was. But I want to take a step back and overall talk about January 6th um, (laughs) and compare to what this country went through in 2020 and the Black Lives Matter riots, okay? We see the broken glass. We see the damage that they were able to clean up in a matter of hours. And then that night, they were back in business. 
the Senate, the House, they reconvened and they did their thing. Um, we think, many of us who really wanted the Electoral Count Act of 1887 um, utilized to its fullest, that the violence may have blunted the momentum and complicated those efforts. But look, it obviously wasn't up there with 9-11 or Pearl Harbor. That's offensive. But Joe Biden today, wow, talk about a guy he's looking to exploit. I think he's looking to compensate for a lot of failure since he's become president. And overall, I guess he had to let a lot of let a lot of ugly things out. For the first time in our history, a president had not just lost an election. He tried to prevent the peaceful transfer of power. He's done what no president in American history, the history of this country has ever, ever done. He refused to accept the results of an election and the will of the American people. The former president and his supporters have decided the only way for them to win is to suppress your vote and subvert our elections. He's stirring this up. <laughs> this is not the issue du jour. He can't, look, he lost in Afghanistan. He lost on Build Back Better. All he has left is hatred of Trump. I don't think it's gonna work out for him. Uh, all Trump, all the time, because everything else hasn't worked. Maybe this, last chance. What did we not see? We didn't see a former president who had just rallied the mob to attack, sitting in the private dining room off the Oval Office in the White House, watching it all on television and doing nothing for hours. A couple of big lies in there. Rallied the mob to attack, to attack. It was, there was already stuff going on on Capitol Hill while he was speaking. He specifically said peacefully and patriotically, and President Trump did actually speak out three times that afternoon. He wasn't doing nothing. He tweeted, you know how important his Twitter account was, at 2.38 p.m. calling for peace. Again, at 3.13 p.m. calling for peace. And a video statement at 4.17 calling for peace. Again, lying comes so easily to Joe Biden. Next. This wasn't a group of tourists. This was an armed insurrection. They weren't looking to uphold the will of the people. They were looking to deny the will of the people. They were looking to uphold, they weren't looking to uphold a free and fair election. They were looking to overturn one. They were looking to save the cause of America. They were looking to subvert the Constitution. This is his idea of eloquence, I guess, the, the anger. I think he might, in part, deep down, realize, is he frustrated, angry at himself? Afghanistan, again, our, ally, our allies, our enemies, they, uh, they're still thinking about this, all right? And maybe deep down, Joe is too. And remember, build back better. He lost that, all right? He was supposed to be really good at brokering deals. It didn't happen. It didn't happen. More. My fellow Americans, in life there's truth, and tragically there are lies. Lies conceived and spread for profit and power. We must be absolutely clear about what is true and what is a lie. And here's the truth. The former president of the United States of America 
has created and spread a web of lies about the 2020 election. He's done so because he values power over principle, because he sees his own interest as more important than his country's interest, than America's interest, and because his bruised ego matters more to him than our democracy or our constitution. He can't accept he lost. You know, they talk about unprecedented all the time. Unpre this is unprecedented. A sitting president talking about a predecessor like this. Um, look, we know this is not true about Donald Trump, and he's not doing himself any favors here because, look, we love Trump. His supporters, as you know, overwhelmingly love the guy. He doesn't have that. Joe Biden doesn't have that. His supporters don't love him. Trump supporters do. And I think there's a little jealousy going on here. All right. He's saying that uh, doubts and concerns about the election are lies. No, it's totally valid to have doubts and concerns about the election. I want to show you somebody who had big time doubts and concerns about the election. The attorney general, William Barr, in the summer of 2020, just as everything was being retooled and reworked because of COVID, you tell me, is this guy genuinely worried? I think he is. So far, we haven't seen widespread fraud, but you, so far we haven't tried it. Well, and the point is that a lot of us, uh, there are several states that only have mail-in voting, including a Republican well, state. Well, this like is playing with fire. This is playing with fire. We're a very closely divided country here. And if people have to have confidence in the results of the election and the legitimacy of the government and people trying to change the rules to this to this methodology, which, as a matter of logic, is very open to fraud and coercion, is reckless and dangerous. And the people are playing with fire. Reckless and dangerous, open to fraud as a matter of logic. He was afraid about this country erupting. Um, ultimately, he said what he said about the election and resigned. Maybe he thought that was the best route to take to keep this country relatively tranquil. But it's okay in America to have doubts and concerns about the election. Even uh, Merrick Garland said as much. I'll get to that in a little bit. All right, I got to wrap this up with Joe Biden because I'm a little bit tired of the guy. He's not just a former president. He's a defeated former president. Defeated by a margin of over 7 million of your votes in a full and free and fair election. There is simply zero proof the election results are inaccurate. 7 million of you. Seven. He's talking about the people he says he edged out Trump by with contempt. It's very strange. And um, I'm sorry, there are a great many valid Concerns we have, I'll talk about Pennsylvania and the constitutionality of hundreds of thousands of votes. It seems as though they were cast in violation of the state constitution. The mainstream media want to ignore all this. I'll pick more up in the next uh, block. Uh, all right, finally from Joe. Yes, in America, all people are created equal. We reject the view that if you, if you succeed, I fail. If you get ahead, I fall behind. If I hold you down, I somehow lift myself up. The former president who lies about this election and the mob that attacked this Capitol could not be further away 
from the core American values. He's actually talking about himself. If you succeed, I fail. If you get ahead, I fall behind. Think about it. That's political life. That's not American life. That's political life. You know, only one person can win the election. He's been running for office since he was 25 years old, something like that. Uh, that's his world, not ours. It's fascinating. Let's put this in perspective, please. A year ago, we had January 6th. How about in the summer of 2020, huh? A mob, they were taking over police stations and burning them to the ground and chasing the cops out. You compare that to January 6th. I mean, let's be real here. This is incredible. And, uh, you know, they say that Donald Trump incited all this. I can make the case that the media incited this taking on cops, falsely portraying uh, racist cops, saying that uh, young black men uh, face an existential threat from law enforcement. That's not true, but they said it so much that it's everywhere. And now a cop on the beat wants to question somebody. That cop has no legitimacy in the eyes of millions of people. They have no justification to stop anyone anymore. Then they can do whatever they want. Well, not too long ago here in New York City, somebody didn't want to take their hands out of their pockets and decided to shoot. Hey. What's going on? Take your hands out of your pocket. Take your hands out. Two years of cop shaming and race baiting will lead to moments like this. And they're happening every, every night, every day in America due to the mainstream media and the left. It's that simple. It really is. You lie enough, people will start believing the lies. Think about that. I'll be right back. It was meant to be a peaceful protest, but then thousands stormed the Capitol. Soon it became a day of shocking events and even tragedy. Find out what really happened in Washington on January 6th. Watch Day of Outrage exclusively on Newsmax. This guy, the Attorney General of the United States, Merrick Garland, said a lot of crazy stuff over the top, hype about January 6th yesterday. But there's one thing in here that I like and I can live with, and uh, I think we should hold them to it. The department has been clear that expressing a political belief or ideology, no matter how vociferously, is not a crime. We do not investigate or prosecute people because of their views. Peacefully expressing a view or ideology, no matter how extreme, is protected by the First Amendment. But illegally threatening to harm or kill another person is not. Absolutely, totally. And by the way, what you call extreme, somebody else might call moderate or mainstream, whatever. Uh, And with that, here's the deal. January 6th, I think in many ways, thank you, Attorney General, has distracted me. 
All right. I've been going into the mitnoids of what happened that day and where the cop was standing and who, all that. Uh, I kind of took my eye off what it was all about, the election, November 2020. I do have grave concerns about the fairness of the election. And the way big tech is, if you voice those concerns on social media, you feel like, "Uh uh-oh, I might get in trouble. Yikes, you're not supposed to talk about this. Well, screw that. And I'm glad that President Trump came out with a very bold statement um, after Joe Biden spoke. And we're going to read it right now in its entirety. To watch Biden speaking is very hurtful to many people, he wrote. They're the ones who tried to stop the peaceful transfer with a rigged election. Just look at the numbers. Does anybody really think that Biden beat Obama with the black population in select swing states, but nowhere else? That he would lose 18 out of 19 bellwether counties and 27 out of 27 toss-up house races, but somehow miraculously received the most votes in American history with no coattails, that he would lose Florida, Ohio, and Iowa and win, even though it was never done before. Four years to try to overturn the 2016 election, and now they lie about how they interfered in the 2020 election, too. Big tech was used illegally. Where did all those votes show up from in Georgia, where it was just revealed they sold ballots for $10 a piece, or in Pennsylvania and Arizona and Wisconsin? He acts like he's aggrieved, but we're the ones who were aggrieved, and America is suffering because of it with poisonous borders, uh, record inflation, a humiliating surrender in Afghanistan, $5 a gallon gas and higher empty stock shelves and rampant crime. America is a laughing stock of the world, and it's all because of the real insurrection, which took place on November 3rd. But this is an election year, and MAGA Republicans should get elected and work with me to fix this horror that Joe Biden and the Democrats have brought us. Never forget the crime of the 2020 presidential election. Never give up. Those words released today by the 45th president of the United States, Donald Trump. And it is legal and appropriate and right to talk about these things, okay? It's also legal and appropriate and right to put things in perspective. And when Kamala Harris today said that January 6th is up there as far as historic moments with September 11th at Pearl Harbor, it's obviously a lunacy and a quick review. January 6th was not the worst thing that ever happened at the Capitol. The list is uh, pretty, uh, well, it's available to everybody. In 1915, a bomb went off on Capitol Hill, killed a person. In uh, the 1950s, Puerto Rican nationalists opened fire in the House Gallery, shot five members of Congress. In 1980, radicals set off a bomb right outside the U.S. Senate. In 1998, another nutjob killed two Capitol Police officers with a gun. And more recently, all right, on January 6th of 2021, and you can't remember, you can't forget this, these are questions they don't want to even acknowledge. Why did this cop let so many people in? And when they got closer to the Capitol, why didn't more cops do anything to stop people? Here they are. Welcome to the Capitol. You see him standing on either side of the hallway, not doing anything to get these guys to uh, turn back. And we need answers uh, to this. Why did these cops walk away? This is just before Ashley Babbitt was shot. If they had stayed there, she'd be alive. But they walk off. Why? This is no time for a coffee break. You know, they're not being harmed. It might be a pretty dynamic situation, but they're okay. 
But here they go. They just walk off. Okay, here we go. You guys uh, do what you want. And then they just, all hell breaks loose. And shortly after this, it's hard to tell. Does Ashley Babbitt uh, try to jump through that window? Is she pushed? And why did the cops just stand there and do nothing? You're about to see Michael Byrd's gun. And you'll also notice that Michael Byrd is not threatened. There's no deadly threat that he's coping with. These people don't have weapons, by the way. And he's about to shoot Ashley Babbitt. And here it goes. Why did those cops leave their post? Why did that happen? We need to know. And we really need to know why they gave Michael Byrd a gold medal. <laughs> I mean, there's not a professional police department in the country that would justify this police shooting. There isn't. All right, I got one other thing to say about all this that we it's easy to forget about, and that's General Milley. General Mark Milley, he is still chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, even though he was insubordinate to Donald Trump. This is a perfectly fine situation. He's the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, and he's with the President of the United States. It's no big deal. But he thought he had to apologize for it, and he did, and it was a disgrace. As many of you saw the result of the photograph of me at Lafayette Square last week, that sparked a national debate about the role of the military in civil society. I should not have been there. My presence in that moment and in that environment created a perception of the military involved in domestic politics. Kind of ridiculous and totally, totally inappropriate. Now, he says there that it could be construed his presence. He has something to do with domestic politics. In that very same speech, watch him comment on every hot-button domestic issue we've got. Every hot-button political issue he weighs in on in the same speech where he apologizes for possibly being seen as political. I am outraged by the senseless and brutal killing of George Floyd. What we are seeing is the long shadow of our original sin in Jamestown 401 years ago. We are still struggling with racism. And we have much work to do. Unspoken and unconscious bias have no place in America, and they have no place in our armed forces. And we should all be proud that the vast majority of protests have been peaceful. We must ensure fairness and equity at all key gateway selection boards, including promotion, command, and work call. Be inclusive. Make a commitment to seek out and surround yourself with those who don't look like you. That's pretty political stuff. You know, they actually accused President Trump of waging a coup back then, and now they call it a soft coup. Coups are run by people in the military. And when he put that letter out with the other uh, service chiefs, totally unnecessary, saying that January 20th, there will be a transfer of power. He didn't have to do that. Why did he do that? By the way, the Electoral Count Act that was being explored, he doesn't know anything about that. That's not his lane. Coup. Yeah, there may have been a coup. And uh, I think he had a big part in it if there was one. We don't know yet, but I think someday we will. All right, we'll be right back. Aaron Babbitt tonight and Marjorie Taylor Greene. All right, she's back. Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene, Republican of Georgia. Congresswoman, great to see you. Uh, how are you, first of all? Great to have you back. I'm doing well. How are you tonight, Greg? 
Pretty good, pretty good. You know, uh, we're watching the coverage from the mainstream media about January 6th. You heard what Kamala Harris said. It's right up there with 9-11 in Pearl Harbor. You're in D.C. What's it like down there? Well, you know, it's basically like a bunch of drama and theater. You know, for Kamala Harris, the sitting vice president, to say that January 6th is bigger than 9-11 is actually insulting to the American people that endured Antifa BLM riots uh, all during the year of 2020. And, And then, you know, don't forget, she also helped bail criminal rioters out of jail. So, you know, this whole thing, it's nothing but a show. It's a movie we've been to before. We watched it with Russia collusion. It's the same playbook, and it's all starting again, and it's going to just keep on going throughout this year, and it's all about campaign season and politics. Is there anything more? Um, You know, like, it seems like they want to use it as a pretext for just about anything, stifling uh, free speech. I'm really worried about that. In fact, do me a favor. I want to play this from Joe Biden today, Angry as anything, uh, we'll talk about it in a moment. Go ahead. My fellow Americans, in life there's truth, and tragically there are lies. Lies conceived and spread for profit and power. We must be absolutely clear about what is true and what is a lie. The anger. And when he talks about lies, he talked about this at the inauguration, like somehow it's the government's job to figure out the truth. And I'm very uncomfortable with that. I think everyone should be uncomfortable with it because they're not actually asking questions about the truth. Look, here's a good question to ask. What would President Trump have to gain by the the security breach at the Capitol? How in the world did that benefit President Trump in any way at all? Going into January 6th, members of Congress like myself, uh, Jim Jordan, Matt Gates, and others, we worked very hard on looking at real evidence of election fraud, and that is why we objected on January 6th. It's, it's our constitutional right to do so, just like Democrats have done in the past. So let me ask this question if we're going to talk about truth. How did this benefit President Trump in any way? How did a riot, how did a security breach at the Capitol help him when it stopped Republican members of Congress objecting and being able to go through real evidence of election fraud? There was no benefit to President Trump and he had nothing to do with it. The real questions that need to be asked is, Who is Ray Epps? Why was he telling people to go in the Capitol? And why is he not rotting away in the D.C. jail? I didn't see him there when I went on the tour that one day. I'm glad you brought him up. So Ray Epps is a strange, mysterious character, or maybe not so much, but he was seen on January 5th and on January 6th egging on the crowd. I believe we have video of that. Uh, He has not been uh, arrested or detained. Uh, Do me a favor. Roll some of that Ray Epps footage if we have it, please. We need to go in to the Capitol. Let's go! I'm going to put it out there. I'm probably going to go to jail for tomorrow. We need to go into the Capitol. Into the Capitol. What? No! Ray Epps. We, um, we've seen him uh, urging people to take the Capitol. At one point, he whispered something as he, uh, an individual is about to take down that gate. Why doesn't the FBI want to talk to this guy? I, that's the real question to ask. Why doesn't the FBI want to talk to him? The Department of Justice has arrested over 725 people. They've been charged. Only one case has been dropped. 
In Antifa BLM rioting throughout the year of 2020, there were well over 16,000 charges and an over 90% of those charges have been dropped. This is a two-tier justice system in America, but here's the Democrats. They're trying to make this a grand show. This is why they had all of this here in Washington, D.C. today, memorializing the riot. They don't care about riots. If Democrats cared about riots, they wouldn't have promoted and funded the BLM riots of 2020. If Democrats cared about riots, they wouldn't be they wouldn't be using this riot to pass uh, big changes to elections and the federal government taking over state elections. See, Democrats only care about their end goal, and that's their policy goals. And because they have failed every step of the way this year, they need something to cling on to so they can dirty up Republicans, dirty up President Trump. And that's all we're going to see coming out of this January 6th committee from today forward. What's it like for you there personally? I know they've been giving you a hard time ever since you got there. Obviously, the temperature is going up, not down. Joe Biden has done nothing to unify this country or lower the temperature, if you will, like he promised. I would imagine things are getting harder for you, not easier. No, it's not harder for me, Greg, and I'll tell you why. I have the support of the American people and wonderful support of the great people in my district and Georgia's 14th district. And the reason why I have their support is because they know I have their back. That's the only reason why I'm here in Washington is because I care very much about our Constitution and our freedoms. And, and people know that about me. And so, you know, it's not that much harder for me. Actually, it you know, I got kicked off of Twitter, uh, a permanent suspension just the other day. And it's because my political speech is not the chosen political speech Twitter wants on its platform. But it really doesn't matter to me what people think here in this, this town. Um, it matters very much about what the American people think and mostly what my district thinks. As long as I'm representing them, then I'm then I'm doing a good job. Real quick, finally, how many uh, January 6th prisoners are still in custody who have yet to be convicted? It's a hard number and it, vary, it varies, it fluctuates, as you know, a uh, hard number to uncover. But uh, what is the latest, your estimate? Greg, I really don't know the number. Yeah. I know here in the D.C. jail, it's several dozen, but they're also scattered across the country. Um, they're just pre-trial January 6th defendants, uh, and, and it's awful what's happening to them. The abuse is terrible. Uh, but true violation of due process and human rights. Sadly, not enough people care about this, and I think it's a tremendous, very important issue, and most Americans care about it. So I'm hoping that my conference steps up to the plate instead of running away from this one. Totally. And so many of them didn't break anything and didn't hurt anybody. It's amazing. And it's not American. It shouldn't be. Marjorie Taylor Greene, Congresswoman, Republican of Georgia, we thank you once again. Look forward to you coming back soon. Thank you. Thank you, Greg. Well, Ashley Babbitt, again, shot, killed, unarmed woman, Iraq veteran, um, Trump supporter, working class, happens to be white, all those things put together. Don't have much status in America these days. Is that one of the reasons why we don't hear about her too much? She was married to Aaron Babbitt, another military veteran, by the way, served in the United States Marine Corps. Aaron joins us right now. Aaron, welcome back. Uh, this has got to be a bizarre and strange and sad day. How are you holding up? How are you? I'm doing all right. Thanks for having me back again, Greg. I truly appreciate you mentioning her every single night. Um, I woke up this morning much like I woke up January 7th, it still feels the same. Um, I stayed busy, 
with my full-time day job and then my full-time Ashley job. So I've had a lot to keep me occupied today. When you say your full-time Ashley job, tell us a little bit about that. What, is, what does that entail? Uh, constantly being, you know, monitoring social media, constantly talking about her. Every chance I can get to run my mouth about her, I, I, I take it. So, you know, people always act like, you know, I'm getting like put out by having to come to these, you know, and sit down and talk to people. But I, I love every opportunity I can to do so because that's what keeps her name above the surface. Tell us about her. What was she like? We know what she looks like. We, uh, we know the circumstances of her death. We know she served in the military. Picture of her next to that four-star general, but for folks who will never know her, what was she like? Yeah, that four-star general is actually a CENTCOM commander for uh, Iraq. Um, it was a pretty big deal. Um, Ashley just loved life. She loved our life. She loved, you know, her life. She loved herself. She loved waking up every day and, you know, tackling the day. And, you know, and there wasn't an obstacle that was ever too big for her to, you know, get through and, you know, to get, to get over. Um, she just loved the challenge, um, loved our life at the beach, loved our dogs. Just everyday life. She was, she was very, very happy to be back home in San Diego and moved back here uh, like five years ago. Hey, by the way, uh, the four-star general, was that General Abizade? You're, you're absolutely correct. <laughs> I was trying. I couldn't. Uh, that's amazing. Uh, you're right. A big deal uh, in the military at the time. So, look, um, the media, I know, have been trying to smear Ashley. You know, they can take any life and find, uh, you know, you weren't perfect on this day. You're, uh, oh, that happened to you. I know they've come after her memory. They've come after you. Um, how do you fight back? Do you need to fight back? Is there anything we can do? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we can fight back. I mean, the, the biggest, uh, you know, hit job that I saw so far, I kind of stayed off the news today, but was that AP article where the only truth in that thing was that, you know, they spelled people's names correctly <laughs> and two vehicles hit each other. But people can go to the um, Afra Ashley Twitter page and see the press release that uh, my attorney, Mr. Roberts, put out. And it kind of kind of settles that real quickly. Uh, we have the uh, give, send, go because you are preparing a lawsuit against the government. Those things are very, very complicated and expensive. You need lawyers. You need investigators. You can go to give, send, go. Justice for Ashley Babbitt. Aaron Babbitt, we thank you once again. It's good to see you. Sorry about the circumstances, but to be continued, my friend. Thank you, Greg. Talk soon. All right. Take care. We'll be right back. If you've had it with the old news. And the same spent. Well, then Spicer & Company is your place. For the inside story. And for the facts that you need to know. Thanks so much, each of you, wherever you are. We appreciate it. I appreciate it so much. To be continued, Stinchfield is next. <laughs> 